0: It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Welcome back to Engage in Truth, a show where we examine life through the lens of Scripture. I'm Steve Ford, your co-host for today's show. Together with Pastor John Bornsheen, Senior Pastor at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley here in Colorado Springs, we will be continuing our discussion of the top 10 issues that divide Christians. The prior episodes in this series and many more can be found on the church's website at calvaryfountain.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the links to the church's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Well, today's broadcast could be titled, Environmentalism and the New World Order. Climate change, pollution, garbage, overpopulation, deforestation, drilling for oil, wildlife conservation. These are just some of the touted environmental concerns facing us today. Thankfully, Pastor John is here to help us explore this topic, but with a biblical perspective. Pastor John?
1: Oh, good to be back with you, Dr. Ford. Yes, we have really uh, ruffled some feathers throughout this series. (laughs) Can I say that? I just did. Uh, We have uh, covered some of these vital subjects, topics that, as you mentioned, divide Christians, may never be. If we have a biblical worldview and a student teachable spirit about us, right, where we're willing to go to God's Word and just pull brothers and sisters together and say, let's just talk about these things. Let's not be so easily divided as the enemy would want us to be over these matters. And it's very difficult these days to even go into a small group without already preconceived ideas, strong paradigms and perspectives of all of these subject matters, and we've covered a number of them, from Christians and government to American exceptionalism, social justice, abortion, homosexuality. Sexuality, pornography, war, spent a lot of time on war. As of late, we've covered the subject of evil, spent four weeks on that topic. Today, we're talking about environmentalism, and I think we're going to end around uh, the study with religious pluralism, something to that effect. We're going to be talking about the the biblical response to the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way through Jesus Christ our Lord. There aren't multiple ways to eternity or some idea of a universal uh, peace uh, apart from Jesus Christ. It is There's the narrow way through Christ and the wide road to destruction. So we're going to be talking about that one to really end this series. But again, to our listener, if you want to go back and pick up any of these discussions, go to calvaryfountain.com. as Dr. Ford mentioned. Mentioned, and all of those are available on a podcast-type format. You can share them on social media, get them out to, via email, get them out to your friends and family. We love to hear from you. We know that uh, the discussion on evil certainly provoked a number of responses, because in that, you talk about the sovereignty of God, and that's what we spent some time last week covering was This the 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 providence, the power of God, even moving in all the affairs of men. That we talked about free will—is there free will? And that oh boy, that brings up the whole Calvinist and Arminius perspectives in that. So again, we're not necessarily going to cover to an exhaustive degree of all the lists and variables in these subject matters, but we do need to talk about it. And so today's discussion on environmentalism is one that really has uh, put people in a number of camps at least pre- two predominant camps of this you know individuals well maybe it's even more than that quite frankly because if you think about it there are those who maybe they have some thoughts about environmental efforts you know okay i maybe i do care about some penguins you know maybe i do care about picking up trash along the side of the road but what we find is that there's probably a lot of apathy towards these things. Really, it's not essential issues. so I really don't talk about environmentalism. What ultimately takes precedent before us becomes the subject of climate change. That becomes the big one, and all the politics and all of these issues. So, Dr. Ford, that's really where my heart would like to go today, is really talking about what environmentalism should have been or was maybe in some form and really what it is today and why it's caused such a rift, a divide, a very uh, difficult subject even for some because of the political nature of it. It has become very uh, divisive even within living rooms, right? I mean, Uh Thanksgiving, (laughs) dare we not talk about (laughs) some of these subject matters. So, uh, you know, Christians will hear verses like these. Let me give this one: Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, and this is why they'll have maybe such an indifference toward the idea of environmentalism in its entirety. Here's what this scripture reads. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons Ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So with that type of perspective, with that understanding before us, that's a right doctrine to have then, that we know that Jesus Christ is coming. He's going to put all things in a proper order, especially during the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ, and then afterwards there's a new heaven and a new earth. So you might have those that are completely indifferent toward any preservation whatsoever of the environment around us because they're thinking, hey, all this is going to be burned up anyway, so what's the point? And I think that there's a balance here that we have to maintain. We have to understand that we are to be good stewards with what God has given to us, even over the earth. But what we're faced with today has gone way beyond that. Now it's a a method of control, and that's what we want to talk about. So there's a great book out there, Should Christians Be Environmentalists? Here's what it says. In recent years, there's been a growing concern over environmental issues within Christendom, including among evangelicals. In part, this is because diverse political and scientific views on climate change, global warming, have spawned so much confusion and misinformation, intensifying environmental debates and adding to the hostility that already existed between conservatives and left-leaning environmentalists. So, you know, Dr. Ford, I think as you've done in the past, what we have to do is set the definition of what is environmentalism. And uh, I, I have just a brief definition. I don't know if you want to add to that. You're certainly welcome to, but I'll, I'll throw out a brief definition here. This one uh, gives us uh, some basics on this. I think what we'd expect, an environmentalist is someone who— Particularly, their their interests lie in preserving, restoring, and improving the environment, sometimes concentrating on a single issue, such as pollution or protecting wildlife. But unfortunately, through human activities, it comes through a number of forms of political or economical, social ec- organizations that can seem to restrict, then, human activities, involvements. We can even see restrictions to, uh, you know, the efforts to drill for oil or to— uh, you know, build a particular. You know, you contractors come through and they want to build something, and then you find okay, there's a you know a little frog that dwells in that region, an owl in that area, and then you see environmentalists come through, very passionate, protect that owl, and they will override any human endeavors whatsoever to protect that that animal. And and so then, now we have this huge divide going, and the division that ensues even amongst Christians over these issues. Well, how much is enough? How much should we go to protect? So this is this is why this has become such a divisive issue. Let me take us to scripture in this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, Kabbas is the word there that we find. It means to bring under control. That's where we get the word subdue that's placed there in the Hebrew. It means to govern it. And the ESV study Bible explains it this way. To subdue the earth meant to exercise wise control over it in such a way that it will produce useful goods for the people who subdued it. This command, therefore, implied an expectation that Adam and Eve and their descendants as God's image bearers would investigate, understand, develop, and enjoy the resources of the earth with thanksgiving to God— Who entrusted such a responsibility to them? So when we look at the earth, the earth is the Lord's. We know that from Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. All the fullness of it, the world and those who dwell therein, all belong to the Lord. He is the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to Him. So Psalm 24, 1 really gives that black and white. There is no other way to to take away from that other than the earth belongs to the Lord. Therefore, we are stewards of that which God has given to us to be caretakers of. And Adam was certainly placed in the garden to care for it. We're not to be careless abusers, destroyers of things that God has given to us. I mean, as parents, we know that. If we give our child something, we want them to take care of the thing that we have given to them because it shows respect to the one who has given them the gift. Right. So if they take care of the car that I gave them, not that I would do that, I'd make them pay a significant portion because we know that they're vested in it, then they'll take better care of it. And that's a sin nature, unfortunately. But if I were just to give them that, I would want them to demonstrate that they take care of it because they so love me that they want to show that I'm so grateful for the gift that you've given me. Right. And that should be our natural response. According to the New Dictionary of Theology, here's what biblical stewardship means. Everything comes from God as a gift and is to be administered faithfully on his behalf. There is thus both stewardship of the earth and stewardship of the gospel, stewardship of personal resources of time, money, and talents, and stewardship of resources of church and society. So I don't think that, Dr. Ford, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that most Christians do care about the environment. I mean, you know, you see people at the zoo. You take a whole group of Christians. Look how beautiful that is. Look at God's creation, Romans chapter 1, right? they the walk through God's creation, certainly here in Colorado Springs. There's a lot of creation to behold. And they see God's handiwork. We're living in his canvas, right? He painted this. Now, of course, we're in the fallen state. This is the sin-filled remains, which is hard to imagine it how is. beautiful it must be with the new heavens and new earth that is to come, and certainly what it looked like before the curse came upon the earth. And so we see a world filled with the toxins of sin and the entropy that comes of that, the decay of society around us, and yet it's still beautiful. We still see the handiwork of God than all the species that inhabit this earth. So I don't think that there are too many Christians out there who are just kind of trudging through the world going, you know, I'm just going to destroy it all. I'm going to be a destroyer. of things. I don't think that's the spirit of God in us. We right. have a natural propensity by way of the Holy Spirit then in the new creation to want to be good stewards of the things God has given to us, to want to be caretakers, nurturers, providers, filled with love and generous and so forth. These are the attributes that the Lord would have us to to exhibit and that comes by even how we care for the things around us. But what we deal with today has become so corrupted and polluted that even the topic of environmentalism can just run chills down somebody's spine, right? Because the big one becomes climate change. And all of the, the political endeavors to uh, cripple an, uh, an economy or to create controls over people groups, this is where we get really riled up about it. And you go to several groups. I'll, I'll take you here to the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. It's often short to uh, Cornwall Alliance. That's how it's abbreviated. But they not only question global warming, but are, they're concerned, and rightfully so, of the ramifications of public policy on global warming issues. So. There was a the Cornwall Alliance they put together this uh, uh, what they call the Evangelical Declaration on Global Warming and here's what it says. Recent global warming is one of many natural cycles of warming and cooling in geologic history. Recent warming has neither abnormally large nor abnormally rapid in its Increase or decrease. So, there is no convincing evidence that human contribution to greenhouse gases is causing dangerous global warming. That's what they conclude there. And then you have the other side of this where the Evangelical Climate Initiative, which describes itself as a group of over 300 senior evangelical leaders in the United States that are convinced it is time for our country to help solve the problem of global warming. They believe that human-induced climate change is real and increasing, and it's leading to instability. And so you have all these people that are now part of that group, and they're not alone. I mean, even Pope Francis uh, proposed a sweeping change. I mean, he put out a statement about the environment, uh, Some, I think it was beginning of this year, calling for cultural revolution. That's what he called it, to change our lifestyles. And it was a document that's 184 pages in English, but it's been broken down into what they call the Ten New Commandments that everybody can follow to stop the disturbing warming of our planet, is how that reads. So this action by Pope Francis coincided with what they called uh, COP27, which was the 27th United Nations Climate Change Conference that was held in November of 2022. And it was held in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. And there were about 33,000 delegates for this 13-day conference at the Sinai Peninsula. And it's all in alignment with the UN meeting of this 197 countries building this framework for climate change. that was adopted in 1992. So the UN 2030 Agenda, based on Agenda 21, lists 40 chapters of content for Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, is what they call it. And the zero draft is what this terminology leads to, affirms what they believe are the necessity for achieving harmony with nature, establishing a commitment to hold global warming below the two degrees Celsius threshold and calls for sustainable patterns of production and consumption. Even Joe Biden, the president here in these United States, has said that he is determined to cut emissions by 50% by 2030, with major controls being given to the Environmental Protection Agency to reduce methane by 87%. And now he's touting this as a $370 billion commitment to this global agenda that is lumped under the Inflation Reduction Act, this IRA. So the Environmental Defense Fund says that the world's 1 billion cows – are responsible for 40% of the global methane emissions. And so many influential religious leaders, such as Pope Francis, they're now calling for a special ceremony of repentance for climate justice. And Pope Francis had declared that this was a new direction for ecological conversion, and we are to be repentant and modify our lifestyles to save the planet. (laughs) Okay, so I can almost see the heads shaking is people were driving down the road hearing this. So the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development says the goal is a net zero carbon footprint. But what this is really about is about global redistribution of wealth. I mean, it's ultimately about control and reduction of the 8 billion population, all part of this new world order. So, and that's not conspiracy theory. They've come out with this, right? I mean, we're just seeing more and more of this. This is now just put out there for the world to read and say, that's our goal. Yeah, So it's like, okay, wait a minute, that was all like secret water cooler talk for years, <laughs> and now it's just out there. And already those in the UK are talking about this winter seeing rate hikes of 80% just to heat their homes through the winter. So it's like creating this situation of panic or massive change, create a problem so that you can drive your solution, right? So that there was a problem there that wasn't actually a problem. It was manufactured to drive a new situation. And that's right out of the Saul Alinsky handbook. So what makes this even more interesting is the logo they used for COP27 was the Egyptian symbol for the sun god worship. And we see in Exodus chapter 7 all the way to chapter 12 that it was God who was striking at their false gods, right? He was striking at everything they believed would would uphold them and was their true strength. And it was their false god worship that he was attacking and you can see even now our false god has become environmentalism, or at least the method for control that ultimately could lead to the beast, the system of the beast, and the Antichrist rule by saying, you know, forfeit all of your rights and freedoms so that he can give us peace. Peace, 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 but there will be no peace. It's interesting that you you think about the effects of all of this, and, you know, climate change has often been the subject, even Al Gore built this whole thing that he was going to save us from climate change, right? I mean, but then you look at the book of Revelation, and Dr. Ford, we talked a lot about this. Right before the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, uh, we, we have to at least acknowledge that in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of environmental changes going yeah, on, sure. a lot of ecological devastation going on. Let me just highlight a few of these, and this is all because of the judgments of God, right? not because of the carbon footprint of man, but because of the sin imprint of man, that God has to bring judgment on the earth, and it comes my way of environmental change. So You can almost see Satan trying to one-up God and say, okay, we're going to do it this way, this way. That will thwart all of these things. So environmental change is coming, but not because of carbon footprint or emissions out of automobiles or methane out of cows, but because of the sinfulness that abounds over the face of the earth, that God has to bring judgment upon it, and he uses a number of environmental changes to do that. And, And he's done that throughout the history famines and all sorts of things, pestilence and plagues that God would use to bring judgment on disobedient peoples, right? And not just Israel, but all the nations of the earth. And we see at seal number six in Revelation chapter six, verses 12 to 17, the sun goes black, the moon becomes blood red, earthquakes, stars fall from the sky. At trumpet number one in Revelation chapter eight, a third of all the trees and vegetation are burned up. Then we have this meteorite like object, a oros that strikes the earth, destroys a third of all ocean life and ships at the trumpet number two in Revelation 8. Then an asteroid-like object destroys a third of all fresh water in trumpet number three of Revelation 8. Then you've got light in the sun and the moon and the stars and all the emanating light diminished by a third due to some atmospheric changes in trumpet number four of Revelation 8. Everything in the oceans ultimately dies in bowl number two of Revelation sixteen, all fresh water corrupted in Revelation sixteen four to seven. Men are scorched by the heat of the sun like fire, bowl number four, Revelation 16, 8-9. Darkness covers the land, bowl number five, Revelation 16, 10-11. The Euphrates River dries up, that's a big one that's been talked about lately. Bowl number six, that's Revelation 16, verse 12. There's a massive lightning storm, earthquake that devastates the whole world. Every mountain and every island disappear, bowl number seven, Revelation 16, 17 to 20, and even a massive hailstorm, so large that each hailstone is over 75 pounds in bowl number seven, Revelation 16, 21. I mean, this is the stuff of the movie like The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, Geostorm. I mean, all these movies that come about that talk about global devastation, but they all want to pinpoint it on it's all because of you and your eating of meat and driving you know, uh, cars that burn gasoline, this is your fault. So therefore, we've got to put all these checks and balances rather than calling him into repentance, right? If we would just repent before the God of heaven and earth, you know, it would be amazing how all of this would be changed. But we already know that the Lord has seen the end from the beginning. These things must be as they will come about because of the sinfulness of men, just like the time before the flood. And then the Lord Jesus will come and he'll reign on the earth and do what men can't do or won't do. Because of sin. And we could even discuss the whole polar axis shift theory, uh, the 23 and a half degrees of the polar axis tilt. That's quite a discussion. We've talked about that. So it is going to happen, Dr. Ford. Climate change is going to happen, but it's not going to be absolved by any politician in Washington, D.C., unless those politicians are like Josiah, king of Israel, and calling a nation to repentance and giving bended knee before the holiness of God, this is not going to be resolved by any policy or any checks and balances of new laws and governance to try to uh, get us to eat less, spend less, do less, and live in a box and own nothing and be happy about it. Right? That, that's, that's all the messages <laughs> right we out keep of the hearing. the world economic yeah, Oh, yeah. You know, Shroud would be happy that I even said that, right? Um, that's not the solution. The solution is that we pray, we seek understanding, We interpret God's Word correctly. We employ logic and remember to interact with fellow believers, because after all, this is God's world, not ours. God cares about His creation. The Lord has called us to be good stewards. We ultimately can't abuse what He has given to us, but we are to worship the true Creator, not the created thing. And that seems to be the, the issue all over again, just like in Egypt worship the created thing, give up all your freedoms to protect it, or you worship the one true God, you humble yourself before him, and things will fall back into the proper order as we align ourselves with the theocracy of God as head of it all. And of course, we know the story and how it plays out, unfortunately, because of the sin nature of men. So in the bottom line of this is that we need to be good stewards with all that God has provided, but we also have to keep our eyes on the prize knowing that the Lord Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon, and he's going to bring his new kingdom with him. And so we need not to be too concerned about some of these matters. We need to keep our eyes on the fact that we need to be given the gospel message, living that out every single day, uh, treating every matter of utmost importance of God's instruction to us. The Lord Jesus gave us over 1,200 commands in the New Testament. How are we doing on that? If we can be good stewards with that, everything else will fall into proper balance. right? right? So I know, Dr. Ford, we're out of time today, and uh, I don't think I gave you a word otherwise to be able to speak (laughs) to this issue. But I know next week you have a whole lot of wisdom to be able to bestow upon us as you study God's Word about religious pluralism. And so I want to thank all of our listeners for at least uh, entertaining us by listening through this discussion on environmentalism. And now that we're through that subject, we'll get to other poor pressing matters as we talk about Jesus being the one way, the only way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And that'll come next week. So stay with us again next week. We want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. And you can listen to this program and others. Go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.